Good morning, church. I'm going to be reading uh, from the Christian Standard Bible, First uh, John chapter one, verse five to uh, chapter two, verse two. This is a message we have heard from Him and declare to you: God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, um, we are lying, and we are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light, and he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, we have no sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is a atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for those out in the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. We're currently in a series called That's Great News. The flow of the series is looking at the historical markers of the life of Jesus as it is defined in our gospel-centered definition. A life centered and saturated around the perfect birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus Christ. Today, we will be looking at the perfect deaths. So there's the theme for today as well as the scripture that Curry read for us. Now, why are we looking at the perfect death? Well, the answer is on the screen, because it truly is great news. We are in an interesting time of the year as a church, the body of Christ. We are in an interesting time of the year as a people. We are in an interesting time of the year as a country. We know, and if I say we, this is now Lesucho, myself, Shiami and Murundeni, as your preaching team, we know that the struggle is real and we know that people's legs are tired. I mean, if I ask you, how are you? You say, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? But I mean, below that, we have now reached the end of August, the end of winter. It's been a year full of turmoil and challenges. We've had to work and pray through so many things. So we know that people at this time of year actually get quite tired. Let me throw a stat at you, which I didn't research this week, but I just thought about it. In South Africa, suicide has a huge spike around the end of winter and the beginning of spring. Why? Because in South Africa, we live from Jan to December. In January, we've got all these grand plans for what our life should be. And then when we reach August and September, we are disillusioned, disenfranchised, and tired because none of our plans worked out in January, which, just a note, stop making plans in January that you won't be able to attain through the course of the year. But point is, this is a very depressing time in South Africa. Now, we want this series to revitalize you. Okay, we want this series to have you in awe once again of the good news of Jesus Christ and what he did for you. You see, two things can be true at the same time. It's called a paradox. It is the truth that God loves us. That he made a way for us to be in a relationship with him. The 
that he cares for us, that he knows how many hair, how many hairs, how much hair ah, we have on our head. He knows all the days of our lives. He gives us daily bread and even more. He guides us, he empowers us, he comforts us. That's all true. And life can be hard. And you can face challenges. And you can struggle in sin. And you can be tired of trusting and praying. And you can have some real heartache and relational fallout. And things can happen to you that is external from you that you did not expect. We call that trauma. And both of those things can be true at the same time. It's called a paradox. It's tough for us to hold the paradox because we want only one thing to be true. Now here's the good news. In this paradox that I just explained, there is one that does not change. And that is God's faithfulness and God's love and God's presence. And that is where our hope and our strength lie as Christians. We put our faith and trust in someone and something that cannot fail. We need to believe that. We need to proclaim that. We need to remind each other of that. God cannot fail. And how do we know this? Well, let's look at the death of Jesus. Through the death of Jesus, God kept his promises. He did what he said he would do. And he did it through the death of Jesus. So my sermon today is a three-pointer. In football language, that means a win. Uh, this isn't a win, it's just a three-pointer. Right, so three points, three questions. Let's look at them together. How do cleanse, forgive, and sacrifice fit together? You would have seen these words in our teaching text. Second point, what does atoning or atonement mean? Did anybody use that word in a conversation this week? Right? It's a, it's a biblical word. It's not a modern word. And did Jesus die because God was angry or because he loves us? That's a very, very important question that we need to answer together today. Let's pray and we'll jump right in. Lord Jesus, as we open up your word now, I pray that your spirit would illuminate it. I pray that you would do something significant in us. I pray that you would revitalize and refresh us. I pray that we would believe this. I pray that we would be able to hold the paradox of life, but that we would put our trust in the truth of the biblical text as you are showing it to us today. May you anoint my words and my lips. May you open up our hearts so that we can hear you clearly. Help us to leave whatever lies behind us and whatever lies before us. And help us to be really present and to be open to the guidance of your Spirit. We pray that in your name. Amen. First point, how to cleanse, forgive, and sacrifice fit together. Look at the slide. I took a little excerpt of some of the verses we read. The bold and underline is not original to the biblical text. I put it in there for you. Okay. Look at it. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 7. Verse 9, again, forgive us our sins and to Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I see that I missed a little bold. Oh no, I didn't. On my text, I didn't bold and underline it. But there you see the word forgive. And then in 2 verse 2, He Himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So cleanse, purify, clean up, forgiveness for whatever dirtied the relationship. But then a sacrifice all go together. 
let me invite you to the table. Hashtag your weekly food illustration. Let's say we go for a burger. I mean, those look good now, don't they? Let's be honest. Sanaba, are you doing all right? Huh? Is this where you would like to go out to? <laughs> I'm just joking. Let's say we go for a meal. We sit down, we order burgers, we enjoy it, it's phenomenal. Great conversation, very encouraging. We go from pleasantries and small talk all the way down to how I feel and how you feel. We make a deep connection with one another. What a phenomenal time. When it's all done, I say, Ooh, I forgot my wallet. Sorry. My bad. I can't pay for my bill. It's a little bit awkward between us now. Why? Because I did something that dirtied the relationship. I mean, the relationship was good. We agreed that we're going to have food. We agreed that each one is going to pay for himself. And both of us went double-double on the burgers, right? So we went for the 115, 120 rand burger. Because I knew I was going to pay myself. And now I can't. So there's a problem between us now. Now let's say you are, cool, uh, you are a cool guy or lady. And you say to me, dude, don't worry about it. I forgive you. I forgive you for the fact that you forgot your wallet. I forgive you for the awkwardness that you caused between us. Does that settle the bill? No. Because, I mean, you can forgive me, and we're good. But then the waiter is going to come and go, guys, here's your bill. You need to pay. Can you imagine if you would say to the waiter, listen, he forgot his wallet, and I just want you to know that I forgave him. And we are good. The waiter is going to say, well, thank you very much. Phenomenal Christian witness. I really do appreciate that. You need to pay. Why? Because you ordered something. And you took it. And you ate it. And therefore, you have to pay. This is the way it works. It is a given. You cannot say in those circumstances, I didn't know. Why? Because it's always been like that. Not a single person in this hall can say, I did not know that is how a restaurant works. It is a given that you pay for what you order. There is a price. And that price is a sacrifice. It is something you give to pay. Do you guys get my illustration? Please forgive me if you're really hungry now. Okay. I mean, I am. Now look at the hard truths in this passage. I'm going to put them on the screen for you. These hard truths is true in the same way that you have to pay for your food when you are at a restaurant. Okay, do you guys get me? Like you can't say you didn't know. Look at John. John isn't a letter. John is a sermon. John was an apostle of Jesus. He spent three years with Jesus walking around the ancient Middle East seeing Jesus teach and heal and announce the kingdom and debate and include people and reinterpret the law, John knew what the life of Jesus was all about. John saw what Jesus did. John heard what Jesus said. And John wrote to people who he called my little children in the beginning of chapter 2, out of his heart to encourage them. Okay, So it's a sermon. Look at this. Verse 5. 
God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. You cannot say you did not know. Because that is the truth. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. Last week, Murandini said in his sermon, please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reading what it says. And I am now also going to say that. This is what the Bible says. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say we have not sin, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That's also the truth. It is as clear as daylight, friends, that we owe something. So what will you do? Because the bill is going to come. Now John says to us that there is a way out. There is something that can cover for you. Think about the restaurant illustration again. The only way that that bill is going to be settled is if you say to me, I'll cover for you. I will pay your part of the bill. There's no getting out of it. So I need you to sacrifice extra to give me what I do not deserve because I knew the rules before I came. And then for you to cover for me with the waiter. And to say, regardless of what you think of him, I will pay his part. John says in the same way we have a way out. There's something that can cover for us. Because I mean we just read these really really hard truths. This puts us in a very dire situation. But now John says there's a way out. There's something that can cover for you. Now John could have used financial language like settling the bill or paying the balance or paying what was owed. He could have done it. They, you have words in Greek vocabulary, John wrote in Greek, that he could have used if that was the essence of what it means to cover. But he didn't. John also could have used relational language like reconciliation or forgiveness and acceptance or repentance. But he doesn't. John uses language that comes from the Old Testament. Do you guys see in 2 verse 2? He uses the words atoning sacrifice. That's a very, very interesting word. And that is a word that has its root in the Old Testament. Okay, so that is how cleanse, forgive, and sacrifice fit together. Now let's look at the second point. What does atoning or atonement mean? So you can actually pass, pass means unraveling a word into syllables or roots. You can actually pass the word atonement into at one minute. Okay, That's not word gymnastics, like you'll find it in the dictionary like that. And in its most basic meaning, it means to make right or to reconcile. To bring two parties that are at odds with one another at one, to make at one between two opposing things. 
The Greek word is ilasmos, and the Hebrew word is kiper. Now, why would I give you both of those words? Well, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. John knew the Old Testament scriptures, like literally off his heart. He spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, but the language of the time that he wrote in was Greek. So he wants to use Old Testament Hebrew language, but then write it in Greek so that you can understand it. It's a really puzzling word. But that's the word. Elasmus in Greek and Kiper in Hebrew. Now that I'm thinking about it, didn't you actually also use the word Elasmus last week? In one of the scriptures here. You did it. Okay, maybe in a previous sermon. So here's the fuller meaning of it. To cover someone's failure. I didn't bring my wallet. I cover it. To erase debt. I owe the restaurant something. And you're erasing that debt for me. And to purify the relationship. You guys remember when we sat around the table? We had to work through the awkwardness that I forgot my wallet. And we have to cleanse what I made dirty in this relationship. That's what it means. Okay. Now let's get in a time machine. And let's rewind all the way to the Old Testament to a place called the Tabernacle. I'm going to put an image on for you. It's a modern day rendition or mock-up of what the tabernacle might have looked like. Okay, But get your head into the wilderness and get your head into a tent. That's where we need to go if we want to understand what atoning or atonement means. Now up until this point, when Israel met with God in that place called the tabernacle, we have had the creation, God creating everything good, putting it in its place for the flourishing of all things and all people, giving humans a very specific job to subdue creation and to steal it with him. We've seen Adam and Eve fall into sin. We've seen God trying again with the family of Noah. We've seen God trying again with the family of Abraham. This is the beginning chapters of Genesis. We saw that God entered into a promise with Abraham called a covenant, a really, really important deal in which there's no way out except for the death of something or someone. We've progressed past uh, Abraham and his son Isaac to Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. We've seen Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob. We've seen the story of how the Israelites all ended up in Egypt. We saw how Pharaoh um, put them under a serious, serious bondage of slavery. We saw the rise of Moses. We saw Moses leading the people out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea into this place called the wilderness. We saw God giving his law to Moses. We saw God giving him his Ten Commandments saying, if we want to be together, if I'm your God and you are my people, this is how we are going to roll. And we also saw that the people of God forgot very, very quickly what it is that they are supposed to do. They made a golden calf. They were in uh, uh, idol worship very, very soon after God saved them. And then God approaches them and says, we need to do some work here. Okay? This is where we will meet. in My place. and My space. And this is where I will teach you who I am and who you are. And how you should live. Because I am a holy God. I am different than anything or anyone else. I am set apart. I have no equal. 
And if you are my people and I'm your God, then you should be the same. You should be different. You should be holy. There are rules to this life, says God. I made them and you will obey them. Because if you don't, we are going to have a problem. We know how much our sin breaks everything that God made good. And that's why God gave them the law. So it's in this place where people were cleansed. It's in this place where we saw forgiveness. It's in this place where we saw sacrifices. It's in this place in the Old Testament where we saw atonement happen. Because here's how it works. You take something, it's the burger in the restaurant, but it's also through our sin. You make something dirty, and now you need to be cleansed. You also need forgiveness, and you also need to pay. And God made this possible through the practice of animal sacrifice. God put this practice in place as a way for people to be covered. As a way for people to have their sins erased. As a way for people to be purified. Did you guys get it? Now this all happened in the tabernacle. Let me show you a different image. Uh, you've also seen this image before. So in this big courtyard in the front. Right, if we can have the next one please. I'll appreciate that. Uh, you'll see that it is marked. So you enter through this curtain. There's your ox. These are called the slaughter tables. And that's called the brazen altar. Okay? Arbukul. No, I'm joking. Uh, not too sure what kind of wood they used. But it was really, really strong. This is where sacrifice happened. Now, obviously, in those parts of the tabernacle, sacrifice also happened. But we won't be going into that today. I just want you to get the picture that you took an animal and you burnt it on the altar after it was slaughtered on these tables. That is how it worked. So the place for this ritual was the tabernacle. Why? Why was this ritual put in place? Let me show you a scripture. It's Leviticus 17 verse 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives. Since it is the life blood that makes atonement. Here's the rule. You took life. Through your sin. It is a serious transgression. It's nothing small. Don't lie to yourself. That's what John says. And you need to see. How serious your sin is. Because what I made. And what I gave. Says God. You took. And you now need to pay for it. Because I am the giver of life. But through your sin, you took life from someone else. Now look, I don't know where you land on slaughtering. Okay, If you grew up on a farm, you might have seen a lot of slaughtering. And it's really not that vivid of an experience for you. But for most of us, slaughtering is quite a vivid and a visceral experience. Like there's a lot of stuff going on when an animal gets slaughtered. And you actually can't hide your reaction to it. That's what visceral means. Like it's open for everyone to see. You've got to stand there and go, Oh, this is so hard. So in the tabernacle, in that first court, you had to stand there and watch what was done to the animal. And then confess that that is what you did to God and to your neighbor. 
That's why an animal had to be slaughtered. Just think about it. An animal's throat being slit and blood spattering everywhere. That's what you did when you cheated someone in a business deal. That's what you did when you cussed at someone. That's what you did when you took something that wasn't yours. That's what you did when you called someone names. That's what you did when you ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit. Like, you had to see it happen. And then say, I took life from someone and something else. Friends, sin is no small thing. Our debt is huge. And our debt is unpayable. I've shared this before. The morning after I surrendered my life to Christ, so I surrendered my life to Christ in the early hours of the morning, that next morning I woke up and it literally felt like my sin was like the Himalaya mountains behind me. Now the Himalaya mountains is huge. And I had this deep, deep conviction and burden of everything that I did up until that point that was wrong. And I just knew that I was never going to be able to pay for that. Never. Now luckily, someone shared the gospel with me and explained grace to me. And I remember in that day hearing that that is all covered. It's all paid for. It's all done. It's all taken away. What God says through the law in the Old Testament is if I don't motivate you to stop or I show you what you did, you'll take whatever you want, whenever you want it, and you'll break everything I made to reflect me and to let you flourish. That's why we have this practice of animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. Because God knows that we are so sinful in our hearts that if He doesn't find a way to put a stop to it, we'll just use and abuse everything that He's given us. And then look at the good news in verse 2 of chapter 2. He Himself, this is Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Guys, that's great news. And we need to know it this morning. And we need to believe it this morning. As one of your pastors, and a human being myself, let me tell you what kills our lives of faith. is fear, and guilt, and shame. We are scared of God because of the things we, we did. And we think that He's going to punish us. And we feel guilty for who we are, and the things we do in secret when no one sees us. And we feel shameful. And we feel like we're going to be found out by someone. Someone is going to truly see who I am or find out who I am. And then we don't live in the freedom of the gospel. Because the enemy uses those things. And he lies to us, telling us that we have to pay for it ourselves. Or we have to atone for it ourselves. You cannot. And you should not. Because atonement has been made. For each and every one of us. Nothing you did or do can ever change that. That's great news, guys. It doesn't matter what paradox you're in. God loves you. To such an extent that he made a way for you to cover all of those things. Let's land with the third point. Did Jesus die because God was angry? Or because he loves us? This is a very, very important question. Because as Christians, 
we have grappled with the wrath of God and his righteous anger. And most of the times, non-Christians deem God to be an angry God who throws temper tantrums, who can never be pleased. Now let me just put this to you. That is not the God that we read about in the Bible. That is a gross misrepresentation of the God of the Bible. And it's a common mistake we make, especially if we live in this paradox of life. We often find ourselves thinking, I might have gone too far. This might have been one time too many. Let's go back to the restaurant, chowing our burgers. Can you imagine if you forget your wallet every time? Like every time, dude. Come on now. We've spoken about this. And every time I say, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Will you please cover for me? It's human to think that at some point we're going to stop this restaurant business. Because I can't forgive you again. Or I can't cover for you again. That is not how God rolls. God has not run out of grace for us. And he's not angry at us. Let me use the Bible to smash that misrepresentation to pieces. And let's have the Bible bring us comfort and revitalize us today. Look at this portion of scripture. And I put it all on one slide for us. It's 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Bold and underlined is mine. Before we read it, just look at 13 times. The word love is used. And the second time, John uses the word hilasmos in 1 John, is smack bang in the middle of 13 mentions of love. Let's just look at it. Just look at it. Just behold. Let's read. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is angry. God is childish. No, no, no. God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. Like, how do you know? Look at it. God sent his one and only son into the world. So that we might live through him. It doesn't say God sent his one and only son to the world because he actually wanted to kill you. No. He did it because he loves you. And that is how we know. Look at verse 10. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Dear friends, God loved us in this way. We must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. Real talk. Let me speak the truth. Jesus died because God loves us. God gave sacrifices to His people because He Loved his people. God sent Jesus because he loved his people. God gave us Jesus to cover for us because he loves us. 
And this is what he has for us. Come. Question of the day. What's your love language? Sacrifice is God's love language. That is how we know. Just let that sink. The death of Jesus was the perfect death. It was the final word. It was the cover for all that was. And it was the cover for all that is to come. And for that, we should praise Jesus. And we should exalt Him. Amen. Somebody, you're welcome to come up. I'm going to do a prayer for us. Guys, and then we're going to finish strong today. We are going to sing a rapper of a song at the end. Okay? You're going to finish well. Let's pray. Jesus, um, the word thank you is actually really inadequate to say how we feel when we think of the love that you have for us. To behold an animal being killed and then to realize that is what we do on a daily basis through our sin. And then to know that you were the one killed for us so that we don't ever have to pay or cover. That's great news. That is great news. And we want to accept that through faith this morning. We want to live in the light of that reality. We want to be done with fear, guilt, and shame. We want to be done with the lies of the enemy. Telling us that our sin is too much and cannot be paid. For you paid it all. Because you love us. Thank you that we can gather around this truth today. Thank you for First John and for his words written to us. And thank you that we can once again marvel at your good news and what you did for us. Will Jesus help us to, to hold on to that which cannot change, that which will not change, so that that will make everything else that changes in our lives way more bearable. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Wash us clean today. Cleanse us. Let us experience your forgiveness. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. An atoning sacrifice. A sacrifice that covers. Receive our praises now as we respond. For your name should be praised. As the one who has loved himself and the one who atoned for our sins. We pray.